him. Too sexy for my love. Too sexy for my love. Love's going to leave me. make sure we're starting on the right foot today, okay? As I mentioned to the guy on the other side of the glass, the incomparable, unparalleled Devin freaking Robertson. If you have the chance to play right said Fred, you do not pass up that chance. It is a simply irresistible opportunity. To play the song that on this day, February the 8th, 1992, began a three-week run at number one on the U.S. singles charts. To put it another way, what the hell were we thinking 32 years ago today to make that a number one song? I'm Too Sexy only got to number two in their native U.K. The idea for the song, the brothers in the band were running a gym in London where, according to their stories from the gym, there was a lot of narcissism and posing going on. So one day, one of the band members took off his own shirt and started singing, I'm too sexy for my shirt in front of the mirror as a joke. And the next thing you have, I'm too sexy by right said Fred. It was actually recorded originally as an indie rock song, and it was not until it was turned into that dance mix that you just heard that it became a number one. And again, admit it, if we're being truthful here, you too would have started the show with I'm Too Sexy, had you the opportunity to do so. Hey, welcome to the show for this Thursday morning, the 8th day of February 2000. And 24. I really appreciate you being here. And I'm so glad you are here because then we can celebrate this together. Matthews trying to recover a loose puck on the boards and has. Works out of the corner. A pass in front. Scores! Matthews will get credit for it. It goes in off a Dallas player. But the Leafs are three for three on the power play. And they lead it three to two. A little AM on AM in the AM. Austin Matthews with goal number 41. Here's a lesson to you, kids. One of the most prolific goal scorers in the National Hockey League today. Got that goal because he went to the net. He took that puck towards the net. He was trying to pass it. It banked in off a defenseman and went into the net anyway. That's what happens, kids, when you go to the net. You want to buy milk, you go to the convenience store. You want to score goals, you go to the net. Pucks on net. 
never hurt anyone in the game of hockey. 41 goals for Austin Matthews, some AM on AM in the AM, and a big victory for the Toronto Maple Leafs over the Dallas Stars. Steve Spott, Pete DeBoer, former coaches here in Kitchener, coaching with Dallas. Radic Faxa used to play here in Kitchener, now playing with Dallas on the wrong end of that 5-4 decision last night as the Leafs win. The Leafs win. I like it when that happens. Alright, let's get into your Farwell Show 5 for this Thursday morning. Five things that you might want to keep in mind for the day. Number one, arbitrators have awarded Blue Jays slugger Vladimir Guerrero Jr. $19.9 million for next season. This is the largest salary ever awarded through an arbitration hearing. In the air to left field. And the wind can't do a thing about this one. A long home run for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Yeah, I'd call the $19.9 million a home run for Vladdy. The Blue Jays had been offering $18.05 million. And, I mean, come on, really. How could Vladdy have been expected to survive on that? Uh, number two on your Farwell Show 5 this morning, an auto theft summit kicks off today in Ottawa with government officials, police, border agents, and auto industry executives on hand to talk about the growing problem. Insurance companies paid a reported $1.2 billion in claims for stolen vehicles in Canada in 2022. Number three, conservative leader Pierre Poiliev said yesterday he does not support trans kids taking puberty blockers and that the decision to pursue transgender treatments should be reserved to adults alone. You probably know Julia Malat. She's a writer for the National Post and an advocate for bridging the gap between diverse viewpoints on gender identity and ideology. Well, Julia had this to say in an online video. If you're going to tell these kids and their families that they must wait for hormones and blockers, that they do not have the parental rights to decide which path is best for them, then would it also not be good to put in a place for how we plan to deal with the hate that they'll receive when they transition later and don't end up passing? Because my only motivation to want to pass today is to not have to face the derogatory treatment that I receive every single day for being trans. Number four on your Farwell Show 5 this morning, Cambridge residents pushing back against a proposed... 5.8% 5.8% tax increase in the city. City property tax increases are rising faster than people's incomes and faster than inflation. And this is not sustainable. We all know that. I mean, at some point it has to stop. We're all going to lose our homes. It's got to stop. Cambridge Council is deliberating its final budget today. And number five on your Farwell Show 5 this morning, BCE Inc. is cutting 9% of its workforce or about 4,800 jobs, including journalists and other workers at Bell Media. The company is also setting, uh, selling pardon me, 45 of its radio stations, including some in Ontario. And there is your Farwell Show 5 for this Thursday morning. It is 9.12, just before we take a quick break. Uh, I wanted to go back to something that I talked about on the show last week, right around this time at the beginning of the show, and it has come to my attention that I used some inappropriate language in sharing this information with you, and it's true. I did, and I'm sorry for that because I need to be better and I need to do better, and frankly, I know better, and sometimes I get lazy, and I'm glad that I get these reminders to 
be more careful. So I'm sorry for anyone who was made to feel uncomfortable when I was talking about the city of Waterloo's proposed tax increase. They look at a three-year plan for their budget and have it sitting at a 23% increase over the next three years, which is, in my opinion, absolutely outrageous. However, in talking about this last week, I encouraged you to storm the castle and rally the troops. Now, listen, again, I'm sorry for such inappropriate language. When I think storm the castle, I think of Monty Python and the holy the, the, the holy grail you know you're, you're clomping two uh you're, you're knocking two coconut shells together to make the horse hooves sounds and that's what comes to my mind i don't want anybody storming anywhere and i certainly don't want you rallying any troops i i would encourage you to to rally your neighbors and your friends and let them know what is being proposed in waterloo and by all means show up to the meeting and Register as a delegation. At minimum, send an email to your counselor. But I, I, I want to encourage you to have a voice on this because it, it strikes me the, the outrageous nature of such a tax increase as being tone deaf. And I'm just not sure that anyone is listening in Waterloo. So I just I wanted to encourage you to participate in the democracy, to show up at the meeting, to let Waterloo Council know what such an increase would have, what the impact that such an increase would have on you. So, again, please, like, no storming anything, no rallying troops. I I would encourage you strongly, though, to get involved, like to participate in a civil and respectful but fulsome manner in our democracy. That's where I'm coming from on all of this. And and if if the words that I speak and, and the show that I'm so fortunate to host really does have the power that I clearly never think about, and maybe I need to think more about that. But if it does have that kind of power, my message directly to Waterloo Council right now is you got to back about 10% off of this thing here. Like, I, I can't express enough how strongly I feel about the absurdity of a 23% tax increase at a time like this. I just, I can't stress that enough. So please, from, from my lips, hopefully to your ears, back it off and back it off a whole heck of a lot. I know council has said, and and it was reported, that they are working on bringing down that increase, which is good for sure. But I don't think a number like this should ever get into the public consciousness. Like, we need to set a target, like inflation. And I'm not faulting staff or anybody, unless you put some guardrails around this and say, bring back an increase that meets inflation, this is what you're going to get. You're going to get these rather outrageous numbers. So, again, I'm truly sorry for the inappropriate language that I used last week. I I hope I have made clear this morning, again, how strongly I feel about this, how I'm encouraging you to participate in your democracy, send an email, attend the council meeting, and let Waterloo Council know. And and for me, even though I'm not a resident of Waterloo, I, I... I'm I'm here to plead with Waterloo Council. I, I feel as though I'm speaking on behalf of residents in this community when I say, you can't do this. It's it's too much. It's way too much at a time like this. So please dial it back a good ten percent. And you know, you I've covered enough budgets in my day to know that they they start high 
and then they come down. But they never start this high, at least not the budgets I've covered. You know, you might start at 5 or 6% and whittle it down to 4 something like that. You're at 23. Whittle that sucker down to 13 and let's have a conversation. That's my 10 cents again on that, and we're going to move on. It's the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570. Every day when we begin the show, Devin Robertson, the guy on the other side of the glass, flips the switch. He has all the power. And when he flips that switch, our phone lines are open to you. 519-570-2545, star 570, and 1-800-570-5715. Let's go to the phones. Mike, good morning. Michael. Michael. You have no, re- you have no reason to apologize um, these people have been getting away with this for years. They have no accountability. They have uh, frivolous stuff. They virtue single. I could say a heck of a lot more things that are far more inappropriate about this. This is ridiculous. It shouldn't even have come to the light of day. 23%. They need to give their heads a shake. Because a lot of us in business have had to lay off people just to make our bring our costs under control. The time for the pet projects is over. The other thing that needs people are expressing their frustration. We have people on fixed incomes that cannot afford a twenty three percent increase. We have people get two or three percent raises and you wanna do double-digit raises like they do in in Toronto and everything? No. And you know what? Who I blame? It's uh, 80% that didn't show up in the the civic elections that were in municipal elections we just had. Enough's enough. You do not need to apologize. All right, Mike. I appreciate the call, and I I appreciate the support. I I think I do, uh, and I did need to, and that's why I did. I, I don't want to, in any under any circumstance, encourage storming of anything or troops being rallied. I, the the turns of phrase I chose were just to say, I, I want you to show up. I, I'm encouraging you to show up and, you know, tell your friends, tell your neighbors. There, there's strength in numbers here. Not to take anything with force, but just to, to share your voice on this. And so I I will own that and I I will apologize for that. But I do maintain, as Mike said, I I think what's being proposed is is incredibly disproportionate to people's ability to pay right now and and frankly doesn't suggest to me that there's an understanding of what families are facing today. Tis all. Dave, good morning. Sorry, Mike. Um, I actually, uh, I enjoyed your comment. Um, I like the reference to Monty Python, but um, I, I actually am I'm, I'm a business owner, and I do read the budget. If you read the Waterloo budget, what I'm this is a good this is a good topic for one of your shows is um, the biggest increase is coming from the fire department, and they're building a fire fire station that's eighteen hundred meters away from a Kitchener one. Maybe we should do look at how to save money with one one fi, you know one fire department instead of eight chiefs and sixteen deputies. I mean the police police can do it and have that under the regional arm and i think we'll save money right away and that's why it make us a, probably a better community with it too 
Dave, appreciate the call. Uh, You identify what I would call another structural issue, for sure. You know I'm on board with some level of regional unification. It's been pointed out this morning as well because of the story in Cambridge where it's final budget deliberation day with a 5.8% increase on the table and people are pushing back. There is a structural problem, I believe, with funding or the lack thereof from the province. There are structural problems. That notwithstanding, and I I hate to pit one municipality against another, but I'm going to point to the city of Kitchener, which has, for more than a decade now, it's made a commitment that the target for budgetary increases will be inflation. And for more than a decade, Kitchener has met that. And I don't think that should be too much to ask. I know it's a lot of work. I know it's a lot of work, but I I think if we start there, we end up in a dramatically better place. Uh, Rich sends an email, and I got to say, I appreciate this one. Uh, The email that Rich sends to Mike at 570news.com. Mike, it sounds like something Dr. Johnny Fever said on WKRP when he told his listeners to dump garbage at the mayor's house. He actually told listeners to dump garbage on the steps of City Hall, which they did. Uh, Again, If I'm encouraging you to get involved and to send an email to your counselor or to show up at a council meeting and delegate, that's a good thing. I'm encouraging you to participate in your democracy, not uh, do anything further than that. I just want you to use your voice. But any comparison to Dr. Johnny Fever is one that makes me very happy. I almost forgot, fellow babies. This is the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570. It's only 9.30. Have you had enough of me yet? <laughs> I'm sorry if you have three and a half hours to go, baby. Let's get you an update from the City News Center and then dive into our conversations, including the one coming up next, which is about the Flag Raiders business. Longstanding in our community, but have we shot our last paintball here? We'll talk about it next. This is the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570. Well, it's a local business that I personally frequented countless times over the years, and I know thousands and thousands of others have as well, both here in the region and from well beyond, because it's the sort of business that attracts some level of tourism. But it may be closing for good. Joe Kimson is the co-owner at Flag Raiders Paintball and joins us for a conversation. Joe, good morning. Good morning, Mike. How are you? I'm doing all right, thank you. How are you? Um, consider all things considered, I, you know, I'm doing pretty well. Well, I'm glad thank to you. hear that. All things considered, because there is there is much to consider here, Joe. I'm I'm wondering, uh, has Flag Raiders perhaps uh, fired its final paintball pellet? Well, we we hope it hasn't. It may have fired its last paintball pellet on Costuth Road, but. We we have actively been looking for a location, and in fact, if anybody out there in Radio Land has you know fifteen or twenty acres, reasonable distance from the four hundred one, please you know don't hesitate to uh, send me shoot me an email, no pun intended, at info at flagraders dot com. 
Okay, that's good to know. Info at flagraders.com, and maybe we can find uh, an appropriate property. Because I guess the challenges really began, Joe, for you and Flag Raiders when you relocated from Binghamton Center to Kasuth Road. Well, yeah, you know, we were, you know, Flag Raiders started in 1983 as a college marketing project. As, as you know, then the pandemic brought closure to our retail locations and our indoor location in Waterloo. Um, then we managed to operate at Binghamton's uh, sort of June 2020 until the end of the season. Then the property, the portion of the property we were operating on at Binghamton's was sold and now it stands two enormous warehouses. And you can't fault Binghamton's for that. It's, you know, growth and prosperity. Then we moved everything back to our property on Cossius Road, where we did operate from 19, from 1999 until 2008. Uh, using temporary use bylaws, and the final one was declined, and that's when we moved to Binghamton's. So here we are again, and, you know, things look promising at the city then, then all of a sudden they came to a screeching halt, and here we are, you know, almost four years later, um, out, of, out, of, out of resources, you know, this whole thing has you know, devastated our families you know, pretty much financially. So, you know, we're, we're left with no option but, you know, to sell the property and continue to look and hopefully get flaggers to operate because it's nearly 40 years old. Well, and that's the thing, Joe. I mean, this is a decades-long business, obviously a successful business, a going concern. What is it about the property on Kossuth Road that prevents you from operating there? The property on Cossuth Road is zoned prime agriculture. You cannot operate a commercial recreation business on prime agriculture. However, with new, since we've been at Cossuth Road, there are new um, policies in the provincial government that do allow for an on-farm diversified use, and we fit that criteria for an on-farm diversified use. We just need someone to favorably in, interpret that. And, you know, Mike, you hear about municipal, regional, federal, provincial governments talking about how small business is the backbone of the economy, yet, you know, no one's willing to go out on a limb and, and help us out. But, you know, as far, you know, we're a bona fide, you know, sports tourism recreation entity and municipalities spending hundreds of millions of dollars on, you know, complexes, rinks, soccer pitches, and we just want some help opening we don't need anyone's money we just want to open and pay taxes and, and draw tourism I'm, i don't understand it and, and you know and and not a day goes through where, where two or three people don't come up to me and say how's flaggers you operating yet we're cheering for you it's like we're talking thousands of people i'm glad you brought up the tourism piece joe because in my experiences at flag raiders i have inevitably met people from other parts of the province. I mean, I'm not talking from Thunder Bay, but they might have driven in that particular day from the Toronto area or whatever the case may be, because Flag Raiders is kind of like the place, one of the premier locations. It brings people in. So this is not just selfish. I'm going to say, from you as a successful business owner, there's a benefit to the community here. Well, there there certainly is. And we we have an opportunity. We have in in the past had an opportunity to host the Ontario Paintball League. It's a it's a five-event series that is a feeder series for the large international series in the States called the NXL, the National X-Ball League. And we have the opportunity, because of our proximity, it's central, we, we have the, uh, the opportunity to host three events here. And each event brings 600-plus players, plus registered support staff. It's multiple overnight stays. 
Um, we did we did something with a, a, a tourism impact statement in 2019 with Water Region Tourism, and the two tournament weekends and like a big game, a scenario game that we host, would bring in approximately $509,000 as an economic spin-off. So if you can imagine what that would be in 2024 dollars, it, it's quite staggering. And, and, and that's not to mention just your your regular, you know, your family's coming in from Toronto, then going out for dinner at a local restaurant or the corporate. We do an awful lot of corporate midweek team building during the day. And then they go up for restaurants and they, you know, it, it's, it's quite staggering. And I can't understand why, you know, people aren't, you know, offering to help us out more. It, just, it, it doesn't make any sense. If you can find the suitable location, do you have the means and the energy to get flag raiders back up and running? Um, yeah, I, I don't. We we can probably come up with the means. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that we could. We won't steal, but we could probably beg and borrow a little more. <laughs> we're, we're pretty much begged and borrowed out. Um, actually, we are. We're extended, begged and borrowed out. But that's besides the point. But I I have the energy, and I believe there's. And Flagrators has, you know, basically its own its, its its own community of people that want to play. These guys and girls, these folks don't don't play your traditional hockey. They don't play soccer. They play paintball, and that's what they do. And it's it doesn't you don't have to be a super athlete to play. Anybody can play it. And, and these people are a member of the the paintball community. And it's not just paintballers. It's folks that play airsoft. It's folks that play jelly ball. You know, my latest call I got from a mom, a parent yesterday, trying to organize. You know, uh, book eight friends to, for her daughter's 13th birthday playing low-impact paintball. These aren't ex-Green Beret. And eight, a 13-year-old girl is the farthest thing from an ex-Green Beret playing paintball. Do you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean, especially having participated in so many of the games over the years. How how frustrating has this whole process been for you, Joe? It's It's, it's, it's super frustrating. You know, we were told that, you know, to apply for an MZO, and, and that was stalled. Um, you know, then staff indicated that they needed a plethora of studies, whether it was stalled intentionally or otherwise. Then they wanted all these studies that would, you know, be required for consideration. You know, it almost feels like another way to drain drain our drain our coffers and delay in the meantime. We've been looking for an alternate location. It kind of goes back um, to some of the neighbors saying they don't need to be on Cossack Road. There's lots of places they could be yet after three years. You know, we haven't haven't found anything. I think one of my favorite lines is the local councillor. One of the local Cambridge councillors said, I have seen this land and God could not grow a goat out there. The, the portion of the property we want to operate on is scrub land. It's, it's ideal for paintball. It's on Cossuth Road. It's the farthest point north of Cambridge. In fact, the new airport... Um, plan has been released, and the end of the airport is actually parallel with our gate. So, you know, I, I think it's a decent location. The area out there is no longer rural. You know, Cossus Road's almost like a super highway. So there's that. Is, is there any hope at all? Do you have any hope left that you could make something work on Cossus? Um, I don't know. It, we, I, I think it would... It would take a lot. Of, it would it would take something, and we you know we were hoping with Rapa Six that they would look at it, but then Rapa Six been, has been stalled with this whole you know greenbelt um, debacle, and we're just we're just outside the countryside line, and and you know the planners say that we should be within the urban boundary. It doesn't make sense to have a paintball field within the urban boundary on on employment lands. We employ you know 
10 to 15, 20 people, most of them students, part-time, lots of volunteers. But, you know, if you put us on employment lands, we're in a warehouse or a factory or an office building would employ hundreds of people per acre. It doesn't make sense to put us inside the urban, inside the urban boundary. Joe, I really appreciate the time you've made for the show this morning. Uh, good luck. I really hope we can see Flag Raiders back up and running again at some point. Well, and we, and we hope, you know, we hope to Mike as well. And, you know, thanks very much for, you know, giving us the opportunity to, to come on the show. And, you know, I, I, it kind of feels like sometimes we're banging a dead horse and when we're hoping. But, you know, I've got almost, I've got 40 years invested in this. And, you know, uh, and I, I think it, there's still there's still a lot lots of flag graders left, and I think a lot of people in the province, you know, want it. So here we are. I, I agree with that. I think a lot of people do want it. So let's hope we can get it back up to to life again. Joe, thanks again for being here. My pleasure. Thanks, Mike. Talk to you again. You bet. Bye bye. Okay. Bye bye. Joe Kimson, co-owner of Flag Graders. Hey, maybe you've got that 15 to 20 acres of land that they could work on here uh info at flagraders.com i think it spells out everything in that conversation with joe the frustrating part is you've got a 40-year history of a business that also by the way attracts a decent level of tourism to the community and for some reason we can't find a way to to make it work it's a head scratcher from where i'm sitting that's for sure this is the mike farwell show on city news 570 frustrating we were told to apply for an mzo and that was all then staff indicated that they needed a plethora of studies whether it was stalled intentionally or otherwise then they wanted all these studies that would be required for consideration you know it almost feels like another way to drain our coffers joe kimson the co-owner of flag raiders paintball at a crossroads after more than 40 years in business and As much as you hate to think about it, oh my goodness gracious, the pandemic plays a pivotal role in all of this too. Because Flag Raiders, and I've been to the indoor operation, and of course when the pandemic came about and we were not gathering indoors in large numbers at the beginning, indoors at all, it was a business that was impacted immediately, had to close its doors, then finds an outdoor location over on Bingaman's property on Bingaman Center Drive. That property, and it was the Bingaman's property to do with what they chose, and they have developed that in different ways, some big warehouses out there now, back to some family-owned property in Cambridge on Kasuth Road, and now unable, because it's zoned as prime agricultural, unable as flag raiders to get that land zoned to continue operation, even though, as Joe shared in that interview, one of the councillors in Cambridge said you couldn't grow a goat or something along those lines out there. It's, I mean, prime agricultural in this case uh, may be a bit of a stretch for the, quote, scrublands that Joe described where they would like to reestablish Flag Raiders paintball. And frankly, after the number of years now closed, not in operation, you got to wonder. I feel for the family. I really do. These are good, long-standing local business owners who have not only employed our kids, our neighbors' kids, but also run a successful business right here in our community, paid the taxes on that business, attracted tourism, 
with larger paintball tournaments, etc. And now they find themselves in a situation where they cannot get the business back up and running. So not only do you lose some of that momentum, you're, you're running into these brick walls and one layer of bureaucracy after another that is preventing you from getting things reestablished. Maybe, just maybe, that person with that ideal parcel of land, 15 to 20 acres, is out there. Not the 50 acres we need for the new hospital. That's a whole separate story, okay? But if you do have something or know somebody who might, uh, Joe would be happy to hear from you, info at flagraders.com. And maybe, just maybe, they can get something working so that we can bring back to life a 40-year-old business in this community. This is the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570. Just ahead of an update from the City News Centre at 10, a couple minutes away, I want to take a moment to just share with you the weight of the news today from BCE Inc. And of course, one of BCE Inc.'s subsidiaries is Bell Media and the announcement of almost 5,000 people being laid off. That in and of itself is awful news. Of course, many of those or some of those 4,800 people being laid off will be colleagues of ours in the broadcast media industry, not to mention some 45 radio stations previously owned by Bell Media have now been sold. I don't care which big radio company it is or which small radio or media company it is. I I feel it personally every single time we hear of layoffs in the industry, we hear of radio stations being sold or going dark, which means they go off the air, newspapers being shuttered, etc., this is just bad news for the industry, and and I think it's bad news for us as residents of communities that rely on local information, local content, local announcers who live and work in their local community. And this is not about self-preservation. I love my job. I've loved it since I started doing it. And when I when I hear stories like this, I just, I feel them in my bones. And so I'm thinking about all of my colleagues across the media landscape who are also feeling this in their bones today, and you too, because I know that you rely on the kind of programming that we're able to provide for you here. And goodness knows, I want to be able to continue doing that. So as sincerely as I can possibly say, thank you so much for being a part of our programming here today. Thank you for subscribing to the Waterloo Region Record. Thank you for watching CTV Kitchener and checking out the news every day like I do and all of the other things that they do across the board. We're all working in this industry to try and keep our community as healthy as we can. These are tough days. These are tough days. All right, following this update from the City News Center, let's talk about the Taylor Swift effect. Oh, yeah, it's the Super Bowl this weekend, but there's a lot of subplots including the Taylor Swift effect. That conversation coming up on the Mike Farwell Show. This is City News 570.
She has become something of a phenomenon. Not that she needed to become one. She was already a megastar in her own right. But take her out of her usual domain on the stage or in your earbuds. And Taylor Swift, as part of the American pastime that is the National Football League, becomes a brand new phenomenon all over again. And wouldn't you know, the team that Taylor cheers for because her boyfriend competes for it is going to be in the Super Bowl this weekend. Olan Scott is an assistant professor of sport management at Brock University, joins us for a conversation about it. Olan, good morning. Good morning. You've talked about the Taylor Swift effect. What is that? How would you characterize the Taylor Swift effect? The kind of the easiest way I would describe it is put the most famous person on the planet in a situation she's not normally in, and she's going to draw lots of interest. It's like the Beatles landing again or Michael Jordan going to Barcelona in 1992. She's this cultural icon that people follow her everywhere she goes. The Swifties are, you know, constantly seeing where she's doing her concerts and things like that. And now she's dating a professional footballer and attending the games. And she's attracting a lot of her fans and her fan groups to follow where she's going. And in this instance, as you said, uh, her boyfriend is playing in the flagship game of the NFL this weekend. And her fans will probably follow her to watch the game, perhaps, if she makes it there. I got to think, Olan, that the NFL is absolutely loving this. I would think that anyone who has any association with the league is loving it as well. The broadcast, the, the advertisers, the sponsors, the league, because there's a lot of luck involved here, too. I mean, her team only has to lose one time, and they won't play this weekend if it's a knockout game. Uh, so a lot of luck was involved in this this uh, this commercial uh, opportunity that the league and their sponsors there have that she's going to show up and her boyfriend's team is in the final. Yeah, you know, that's <laughs> such a good point because the, the commercials themselves for the Super Bowl are their own entity, right? But now it's all, I mean, it, it might almost be as if the rights holder wishes they could have sold the commercials for more because you're thinking the value goes up because of the number of eyeballs that are going to be on this game. Precisely. The, I'm, I'm sure every advertiser who paid $7 million U.S. million for a 30-second ad is now licking their chops and, and smiling as, as brightly as they can smile because if the viewership goes up by 20 or 30%, you know, they've paid for a typical viewership, and now they get that huge bonus, and they might get a huge bonus of fans who don't normally watch. You know, if the Swifties are watching, which skew to be younger girls, typically, um, that's a huge age demographic they may not necessarily reach all of the time as well. What do you suppose the chances are, Olan, that this will have a lasting effect? In other words, I mean, the Super Bowl attracts a a billion-person audience anyway. We're going to have more than that this time around. But into next season, even if Taylor and Travis are still together, God bless them, I hope they are. But does this carry over, do you think? Uh, It can. I mean, this is where, you know, the leagues and the TV need to do a little bit of work in trying to sort of upskill the new fan or give them knowledge about, 
what's happening on the game, what the rules are, because then if they get involved and like, oh, I really like this, I'm now understanding the sport a little bit more, I'm enjoying the rules and, and knowing that, perhaps then they start to consume year on year and become sort of, rather than being sort of Taylor Swift fans who tune in for her, perhaps they tune in as well because they like the sport and then maybe they watch a few more games, maybe they buy a t-shirt, uh, maybe they attend a game, you know, and we kind of bring people along sort of the stairwell from low-level fan to like sort of hardcore fanatic, you know, just moving a few folks up into sort of those medium fans could have some commercial benefit to anyone involved with the league. We know there has been some backlash, but the backlash seems primarily political, and I don't want to necessarily go down that path. But is there any risk, Olan, from the NFL or the broadcast perspective here of overexposing Taylor Swift? I mean, I mean, sure, but I mean, if you showed the U.S. president on TV, you're going to have some people who hate him, some people who love him, some people are going to boo, some people are going to cheer. It really, I don't think it matters what celebrity you're putting on there, but she's the megastar. She's the probably in terms of celebrity, the biggest celebrity on the planet. So she's also somewhat polarizing as well. She has an amazing you know, life. She travels all over the world and does concerts. Now she dates the, the very handsome football player, and she's a very beautiful person. There's perhaps a bit of jealousy involved in that. And, you know, People look at her life and go, man, if I won the Lotto Max last night, I could not even live your life, and I'm a lottery winner. Um, you know, so there's, there's that to, 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 to put there in perspective as well is that, you know, you're going to have people who just hate you because they're jealous, let alone the political ramifications that there might be, um, as well. But in terms of the league and broadcast, you probably just want to ignore the minority view who a are probably loving your sport already anyway. And the reason they hate on her is because you're changing their sport, but if you're bringing in 20 or 30 million more people to tune into your game, it sounds to me like the complainers are probably going to keep watching. And these new people are these new customers that you can kind of in- indoctrinate into the love of your sport. It will be very interesting to see how long the Taylor Swift effect lasts. But it's a really interesting conversation. Olan, thank you very much for joining the show this morning. <laughs> no worries. Anytime. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye now. Olan Scott is an assistant professor of sport management at Brock University. I love the end of that, the jealousy piece. I think that's where I was initially when I was like, come on. Like, I come to sports for escapism. It was feeling a little bit like a soap opera for me. Like, I frankly don't care who's dating who. I just want to watch some football. But part of that had to be. It's like watching lifestyles of the rich and famous, right? Even if I won the Lotto Max tonight, I could not lead the life that Travis and Taylor are leading. I'm also thinking of, I remember, the, I, I'm going to paraphrase the headline here, but all of the, the headlines that surfaced when George Clooney married, work with me here, there's a connection. And of course, it's about George Clooney, the, you know, longstanding bachelor finally tying the knot. And the headline that I read was along the lines of brilliant international lawyer marries actor. Because, you know, if we're going to be honest about it, uh, Amal is, is far superior professionally. I'm just going to be honest about that to George, 
right? In this case, Travis Kelsey, arguably one of the best tight ends to ever play the game. Sorry, Gronk. Sorry, Heath Miller of the Pittsburgh Steelers. But Travis Kelsey is one of the best there has been. And fans of the game love him. But if you're to put these two side by each, you would say, right, music megastar dates athlete. Kind of the way it would go in the pecking order of professions, wouldn't it? Nonetheless, there is no question that there is a Taylor Swift effect at this weekend's Super Bowl. I wonder this. What is that effect on you? Is it a positive or a negative? Be honest with me. Let's have the chat. The Taylor Swift effect is what for you? Let me know on the Mike Farwell Show. This is City News 570 and Rogers TV. There's perhaps a bit of jealousy involved in that. People look at her life and go, man, if I won the Lotto Max last night, I could not even live your life. And I'm a lottery winner. So there's that to put there in perspective as well, is that you're going to have people just hate you because they're jealous, let alone the political ramifications that there might be. Olan Scott is an assistant professor of sport management at Brock University. Joins us this morning to talk about The Taylor Swift effect on this weekend's Super Bowl. Just to put it in perspective, more than 55 million people tuned in to watch the Kansas City Chiefs take on the Baltimore Ravens in the AFC Championship game. That's a championship game, I'll grant you, but 55 million people. And I I think Russell's email gets to the heart of the matter and maybe indicates a hint of that jealousy that you just heard Olan talking about. Russell writes to Mike at 570news.com. Sorry, but I can't listen to sensationalistic radio. And that's fair. I respect you if you think this is too sensationalistic. But consider for a moment, in all honesty, that number I just shared, 55 million people who tuned in for a Kansas City-Baltimore game, not necessarily the biggest markets for National Football League football. And 55 million people were watching. The game on Sunday, even sans the Taylor Swift effect, is going to be the biggest story in North America. Add Taylor Swift to the mix. And I'm not exaggerating when I say the biggest story on the planet Sunday, short of something extraordinary happening in the world, is going to be the biggest story on the planet. Period. There will not be a human being alive, dare I say. Okay, that's a bit of an exaggeration, but you get what I mean. The biggest story on our planet on Sunday, hands down, is going to be the Super Bowl. And Taylor Swift's potential appearance at it, you know she's going to make it, will add to the magnitude of the story. And I think that's just reality. The Taylor Swift effect for you, is it positive? Is it negative? Could you not possibly care less? 519-570-2545, star 570-1800-570-5715. Jersey Bill, good morning. Oh my goodness, Billy, Billy, what are you doing to me? Oh my word. (laughs) No, hold on. Okay, I'll hold on. Here we go. Better now? No. Billy, Billy, you are killing me. 
All right. Okay. Right no, I'm so. Yeah, that's just not. That's not happening. I gotta go, Billy. I love you. I don't know how you. You like you're a regular. I know, and I think you do something hands free. That usually is weak at best, but I love you, so I keep going. to Whatever was happening today was not happening, friend. So if you could pick up the handset. Ooh, would I ever love that. Over to Sean instead. Morning, Sean. Good morning. Biggest story in the world, I think, is sort of American-centric there. No way. I mean, not a half chance. The, half the planet doesn't give a damn about the Super Bowl. Yeah, but still, what? Well, you, no, what no, no, then half the planet does, it. right? So I'm, I'm telling you, biggest story in the world on Sunday. No question no, about it. Not. Yes, it is. Rel- tell me what. The, t- tell me which story is bigger. I have relatives in the UK, and they don't even know what it is. That's fine. But what are, what's their big story then? Tell me something that's going to be bigger than the Super Bowl on Sunday. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, it is. They no. Have their, there are a billion people. A billion they people. Premier, they that, watch Premier League football to that, them. That's bigger than the Super Bowl. But no, it's not. Sean. Sean. There will be a billion people minimum, and that's not an exaggeration, tuned into the game on Sunday. I so I don't think so. Oh, I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Like, there's not even, that's not even a question. I, one billion people. So you have to find, if there's a bigger story, find the story that one billion and one people are interested in on Sunday. There's not, there's not another one. Come on. I'm not joking with you. I, this I, is the I, truth. I, I can't see it. Nobody cares outside of North America. I I strongly disagree with that, especially with Taylor Swift being a part of it. Yeah, but I'm not 12 years old. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but but the 12 year olds will, and so they're adding to that one billion person audience. Oh, I just don't see it. Okay, you I, listen. That's fair. I'm telling you right now, the biggest story on the planet on Sunday is the game. Dave, good morning. Good morning. Um, the one thing that I kind of look at is always. You know, when they have the um, contest of questions of what's going to happen during the Super Bowl and what color will the big Gatorade be yep. poured over the... Can you imagine now in what quarter will t- Taylor Swift be seen on TV? First quarter, Dave. First quarter. <laughs> the only question I have is the over-under on the amount of time she's on the screen. <laughs> See, we we put in a whole new category right yeah. into that uh, questioning. So, Absolutely, but yes, I'm I'm not a Taylor Swift fan, but I do agree with what you're saying. Is that it, it does bring a total different uh, audience to it, and you know they will all be coming in and and to see her, you know, and that that is a phenomenon. So just hope that the be- the game is better than her <laughs> all right dave thank you listen i'm not a fan of her music either but hey i i'm super happy that uh travis and taylor seem so happy together and i think it's going to be an interesting prop bet dave touches on something else that makes this such a big event right we bet on everything who wins the coin toss what colors the gatorade who gets the first field goal goes on and on billy you got a better phone for me yeah, I got the right. Oh, so. bless your heart, my friend. What were you doing to me? <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes in American food, it just doesn't work. Listen, I, I just I wanted to make a quick correction. Now, uh, when I was talking about uh, supporting a team because uh, it was uh, the state had supported one candidate against another, I wasn't being serious. I, I was just pointing out the absurdity of how people choose. Oh, I thought you really other. were. Okay, I'm sorry no, about that. I, I, I mean, complete. I, I, I missed the I humor. Do it, but I do. I do it as a kind of afterthought. It's not something you know. I. Uh, it, it's just. It's just. You know. I just find the whole thing absurd. And, and what I find absurd about this situation is here you have the billionaire Hunt family. 
on the one side, the billionaire Trump family on the other side, who are trying to say, well, we're we're going to uh, we don't want Kansas City to win because it may uh, affect our vote adversely if Taylor Swift and and even Kelsey uh, uh, Travis Kelsey decide to uh, endorse Biden. Uh, you know, and, and of course, who are they going to support? They're going to support San Francisco. That's that's the capital of woke. I thought the Republicans were against woke. That's oh totally gosh. absurd. And then and then when you come right down to it, it's so it's billionaire hunts versus billionaire Trumps versus billionaire uh, uh, billionaire Taylor Swift. You know, billionaires all around, all fighting one another, and it's just absolutely ridiculous. But that's part of American life. <laughs> all right, Billy. Thanks for the call. I know this much. I'm cheering for the Kansas City Chiefs because if the San Francisco 49ers are successful, they will have six Super Bowls. And as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, I have enough company in the six Super Bowl club, okay? I wish we could kick the New England Patriots and Tom Brady out of that club. We can't. They've won six. The Steelers have won six. I don't want any more teams with six. And I want the Steelers to win the seventh before another team does. I know Brady himself got a seventh, but it wasn't with the New England Patriots. Anyway, that's why I'm cheering for Kansas City this weekend. And I'm cheering for Travis and Taylor to have a happily ever after moment during and then after the game. This is the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570 and Rogers TV. Okay, so the Super Bowl is not the Academy Awards. About 200 million viewers globally last year. Dare I say, there'll be... 250 or more million this year with the Taylor Swift effect. But I'll leave that there for now. Maybe we can talk more about it during the 12 o'clock talk back hour from noon until 1 today. Right now, I must get you to the City News Center for an update. And then one of the most popular movies of the 1980s, hands down, is coming to a stage near you. And you're going to love it. We'll tell you about it coming up on the Mike Farwell Show. This is City News 570. His head started bopping right away. So I know I done good. I know I done good. David Connolly, the artistic director with the Drayton Youth Entertainment Academy, sits across from me in studio. And you dare, good sir, to bring <laughs> this song's movie, I think I got that right, to the stage. <laughs> Been working so hard. That's us. Hi, Mike. Hello, my friend. How are you? I'm so good. So excited. Thank you for having us. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here to talk about, let's start with the Drayton Entertainment Youth Academy in and of itself. I love what you're doing there. For those who may not be aware, can you tell us more about it? Sure. So Drayton Entertainment was built on community. 33 years later, here we are, seven theaters under the incredible guidance and leadership of Alex Mostakis, our founding CEO and artistic director. And he wanted to um, expand this idea of community, but not by getting another theater, but by giving back to the community and recognizing that generational change uh, become the focus of what expansion meant for him. And so um, I very luckily and happily and gratefully took on... um, uh, the idea that we could build a home for youth to find belonging, self-acceptance, and real self-esteem to 
travel with them into life, whether they go on to become artists or not. But arts education just happens to provide these incredible skill sets um, and life skills that will hopefully set them up for success. And and those include things like, you know, self-acceptance, self-esteem, accountability. They're working so hard for this common goal, um, rising and this project we're talking about today, the high school musical project, um, brings together 51 high school students from 20 different high schools um, to be accountable to thousands of ticket buyers who are going to hopefully come see Footloose <laughs> at the St. Jacob's Country Playhouse um, in the next couple of weeks. So it's, it's uh, yeah, the, 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 the Academy is a brick and mortar in Waterloo. It's got eight studios. You were there. We were thrilled to have you. Um, and that's what we do is expose uh, youth and adults now to what it means to be brave. Um, you know, singing, dancing, acting. We have technical theater classes. We have um, choir. We have a, an intergenerational choir now that we do, which is like really fun. We have on-camera classes. And we're just about to boot up our wellness um, arm. So um, it's it's a hub. It's it's uh yeah it's so exciting and it's just the beginning so exciting was this whole venture for you that when alex reaches out he he lures you back from the bright lights and big city of new york <laughs> that is true yeah it is true <laughs> <laughs> the kids are so lucky to have you here but it must speak to how much you believe in just what you were talking about well i'm i'm waterloo i'm a waterloo boy i i'm i'm mcgregor and forest heights and you know, um, and so yeah, to, to be able to provide, you know, again this sense of community um, for these kids, especially in this Footloose project, right? Because they're all from, as I said, twenty different high schools. So all of a sudden, all these big fish from little ponds are in a much bigger pond, and they get to rise to the occasion of being treated like professionals, which is how we treat this. Um, it is a fully realized you know, Drayton Entertainment quality production, sets and lights and costumes and all of it. Um, we have 35 kids on stage and 15 kids backstage doing sound lights, um, carpentry, running crew, stage management. And we have a student in the pit as well, like um, mentoring with our, our professionals. So all our department heads are mentoring these kids to, uh, yeah, to, to, rise and they are and your listeners get to come support them in this educational piece because they need proof that their hard work paid off and so yeah they'll be entertained and yeah it's footloose which mike is 40 years old no it's not don't don't say that to me why do you have to come in here and be that way listen the kids are calling it a period piece no they're not yeah they are and like fair right because when i was a teenager when it came out and so i I just thought of this yesterday 40 years prior to that would have been 1945 like Wartime. So that's how far away this is for these kids. We have a rotary phone on the set as a prop. <laughs> None of them know how to use it. None of like they were trying to like they they thought they had an idea, but they like they helped. It was so funny. Anyway, here we are. Here we are. Yeah, forty years later. I would like to have a a word with your students and your actors and dancers because. My first onstage opportunity was My Fair Lady. Now, that was a period piece, okay? Mm-hmm. We can agree on 
footloose is a pri- Are you going to give us people. a few bars? I could not. I, I actually, I was only in the chorus. I mean, I guess I could, but I, I no was in the chorus part. for There's a no reason. Part, right? I did. Did I ever brag to you, David, that I got to do a solo in Jesus Christ Superstar? You, it, you did, but <laughs> I, I haven't it's... heard it yet. I, I come here in the hopes that you will never. Never. never say never. Well, you're right. I'll, maybe perhaps under your expert guidance, I could work <laughs> up to that again. But I'm going to leave that over here because this is about Footloose, the high school project. I asked you during the break and you, without hesitation, said, no, this isn't intimidating at all. I would have thought it might have been given that Footloose is, is such a classic. But but because it is such a classic and because it's in the DNA of so many people, um, then you just get to relax in like let's hear it for the boy, almost paradise, the title song for like like you're just on this ride of of um, watching these kids who many of whom had never heard this score or soundtrack before um, and so they're inventing it and they get to pass it on to a new generation and you know the story is about youth coming to the aid of a community in need right that's the story of Footloose and and that the only way to the happy ending is open minds and open hearts so you've got this incredible music and it's about dancing the show's about dancing and so we've really pushed them this year into like really difficult choreography that they've all kind of risen to and um and then you have this theme of of listening and and open-mindedness and the benefit of that and so all told if you come and we hope you will um then you're guaranteed to leave you know inspired and 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 having um, done service to these kids because they do need evidence that um, their hard work because they're balancing so much, right? They like they've got exams at school and part time jobs and things to manage. So the fact that they're being so accountable and using you know their time management so well for this common cause would really the end result should be f- sold out audiences cheering and screaming that they did great so that the next time they encounter something that um, they feel maybe scared about they'll have this lived experience of like oh no I know what bravery feels like I know what courage means and they'll step up to that whether it is on stage or not right they're, they, these are our, our future leaders, they're our future teachers our future parents, our future arts supporters You know, so um, we're just really excited to be uh, at this stage of their development St. Jacob's Country Playhouse. It opens next Wednesday, the 14th, runs through the 25th. You can visit DraytonEntertainment.com to get your tickets. And please do. I want to see sold-out shows for this, too, because as David so eloquently states, the kids absolutely deserve it. Before I let you go, it must be so gratifying for you to watch these young performers develop, grow, collaborate to the moment that curtain goes up next Wednesday. Well, um, any expert or book or teacher, good teacher, is going to tell you that things go wrong when kids feel they don't belong. And so that's what this gives them. Is is uh, they've, they, I, We see the new network that they've created. They're going to be, some of them are going to be friends for life because of this. And they have a better shot at um, succeeding. So that's, that's the satisfaction. It's just knowing that there's a new community as a result of this effort. And... Um, and the audience members get to be a part of it. Absolutely love what you're doing. Uh, please come by anytime, okay? Please we love just having give you us here. one line of Jesus Christ Superstar, <laughs> just like a few notes. 
Look at all. No, I, c- oh, I can't. Oh, yeah, and that was good. Are you, thank you for that. It's not supposed to translate well over AM radio. <laughs> if they let me on Chime FM, maybe I'll do it. It I sounds will petition. good. The processing. I'm, I'm going to petition. David, you're a gem. Thanks for being here. You are. <laughs> David Connolly with Drayton Entertainment's Youth Academy joining us in studio. Go see Footloose. The High School Project, St. Jacob's Country Playhouse. It opens next Wednesday. Tickets at DraytonEntertainment.com. This is the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570 and Rogers TV. So, since clearly I decided this would be the day I brag about myself on the show, did I ever tell you about that solo I sang during Jesus Christ Superstar? It was one line I got to open the the number. But again, in keeping with the theme, did I ever tell you about that time I ran a marathon? I wouldn't say my time in the marathon was great, but I trained my little face off and I built up my conditioning to the point that I ran 26.2 miles or 42.1 kilometers at a stretch to complete the marathon. I was pretty proud of that. And then along comes a jerk like Scott Thompson and makes me feel completely inadequate. And I hope, Scott, you're chuckling because surely I jest. You're not a jerk. You're actually rather an inspiration. Uh, welcome to the show this morning. <laughs> good to be here, Mike. Thanks. <laughs> it's good to have you here to talk about, like, forget my itty-bitty little... mile, 42.1 kilometer marathon. You have on 15 1500, pardon me, consecutive days and now counting gone for a five kilometer run. I have, but none of those days was a marathon. That doesn't matter. 1500 (laughs) days straight. Because I'll I'll tell you this much for free, Scott. Since I finished that marathon decades ago, I have not run the equivalent of 42 kilometers. I can promise (laughs) you that. (laughs) Please tell me how this began, what what prompted you to start and then decide that every day you're going to put in 5K? So I was, I've been a runner for, I want to say like 15 years now. I just one of those people that started off, you know, just a couple days a week for exercise and slowly got up to like five days a week. Um, you know, we took a couple days off here and there. And then in 2017, my mom passed away. Um, and then a few months later, my grandmother passed away. And I found that running was kind of like this nice cathartic way to kind of process things. Like I just, it's as crazy as it sounds, like I put sad music on and go running and then I just kept doing it. And then, you know, I was up to about a year, um, you know, about 300, 400 days deep at that point. And then in May 2011, or sorry, 2019, I suffered a subarachnoid hemorrhage, um, which was basically where part of your brain ruptures. And um, thankfully I was, fortunate enough to survive without any real repercussions other than the fact that I was in hospital for a month in Hamilton. Um, and I found during that period of time that I really missed the running. Like I really missed the release it gave me. Um, and so worked myself back from that. And then it, it wasn't really an intentional thing. I was just going to start running. And then I just, I get just kept doing it. You know, once I could again, I just started and just haven't stopped yeah but the thing is scott and i'm sure you know this having done this for 1500 plus days straight not every day is a nice day sometimes it's really really cold sometimes it's pouring rain and yet you keep going i do yeah um you're right i actually like that about it it never (laughs) gets boring because there's always some 
weird variable that changes, whether it's the weather, my route, or, you know, things I see on the route. You know, I, I like getting up early and, you know, you'll see rabbits running around and that's the only thing I'll see. In the middle of the day, I'll, I'll see certain people all the time. So I kind of like that it changes. I like that, the, you know, the, the extreme weather. If it's too hot, obviously I'm going to run in the morning. If it's too snowy, I'm going to, you know, wait till it dies down a bit and, you know, find a tire track. But I, I generally enjoy that aspect of it. How are your knees holding up after all this time? <laughs> My <laughs> knees are actually the one part of me that don't hurt. Oh, really? Okay. Years ago, I transitioned to something called mid-strike running, which means that instead of landing on my heels, I basically land on like the, the mid part of my foot. So it takes a lot of the impact off my knees. It's almost, I think I read that it's kind of like how gazelles run. Um, so the knees are fine. The hamstrings are very angry and the glute muscles in the back, anything connected to a muscle in the lower body, generally pretty upset with me, but the knees are good. Uh, what about how many pairs of shoes have you gone through? Oh, man, I've gone through plenty. Yeah. Um, I'm notoriously cheap, and running shoes are expensive. So yes, I they are. I run them to, like, if you can see my foot coming out of them, all right, I'll replace them at that point. But I've probably gone through a dozen pair over the past 1,500 days. Um, during, you know, early days of COVID, my daughter, who was about seven at the time, went on the Nike website and literally custom-made running shoes for me. So these things were bright pink and purple, and I loved them to death. And, you know, I was so sad to see those ones go. But, um, yeah, there's been a lot of shoes. Over 1,500 days, Scott. That's four years and counting. And and one might take a vacation or two over a four-year span. How do you continue even while taking some downtime? Um, You know, I just run when we're there. So we were in New York in September, um, we happened to find a hotel that was near the Hudson River, had a nice running trail, so we did that. Um, you know, I've run in Mexico. I, you know, we go camping a lot in, you know, provincial parks. I just, I just run. I just, you know, spend the day. I look at it as sightseeing. <laughs> as crazy as it sounds, you know, I can see a lot in half an hour. It's absolutely incredible. Now that you're at 1,500 and clearly you have kept track, which I can, I can respect your cheapness. I can respect your ability to count these days and keep track of them is there is there a world record in the offing i mean what's next how long do you want to continue doing this i truly don't know like i i mean i don't really keep track of it other than just say like once in a while i'll check in to see like hey there's a milestone coming up but i i never have really thought you know i'm gonna run the you know expansive canada or something though i think i'm actually pretty close to that one um but you know i think i'm just going to keep going and you know when it ends it ends where's your favorite place around here to get your runs in so i run a lot on the iron horse trail because it's flat and easy to to do that's kind of my my most common one i have certain days i like running uptown waterloo on a sunday for some weird reason i only do it on a sunday um you know i do downtown other times in the week um but usually the iron horses primarily really see me or kind of schlepping around the neighborhood here it is incredibly impressive stuff scott uh keep it up and, and thanks for making time out of your running and your work day to talk to us today Anytime. Glad to be here. <laughs> Enjoy your day. Bye-bye. Thank you as well. Bye-bye. Scott Thompson, 1,500 days in a row and counting. He's gone out for a 5K. And some days I look at the dog and say, I love you, but you're not getting that walk today.
little bit of inspiration from Kitchener resident Scott Thompson. This is the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570 and Rogers TV. Tell you what, it's on a day like this. I should just give back the paycheck. It's way too much fun. Nah, you know what? I'll keep the paycheck anyway. I earned it from the no fun I had yesterday or something like that. Uh, Still to come on the show today, an hour from now, we'll open up the phone lines for your 12 o'clock talk back hour. In 30 minutes time, the weekly flip side every Thursday morning at 1130. You ate what? is the question we'll be asking at 11.30 this morning. And right now it's off to the City News Centre for an update. And then the gravel pit being reopened in Campbellville and the reaction to it. Stay with us. This is the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570 and Rogers TV. It is hard to find an operation that hopes to extract aggregate without attracting opposition. And we have several such examples right here in the region of Waterloo. A couple of them in Wilmot Township, where a gravel pit in the community of Shingletown has been strongly and vocally opposed. A sand pit on Snyder's Road near Petersburg also getting opposition from neighbors. And, of course, in North Dumfries, an expansion of the dance pit has come under some pretty serious local opposition. We look a little further east now to the community of Campbellville, right on the edges of Milton, and there is a gravel pit reopening there that is also drawing some opposition. George Minakakis is the chair of Action Milton, Action being the acronym for Association of Citizens Together in our Nasagawea. And George makes time for our show this morning. Good morning, George. Good morning. What is your opposition to the reopening of the quarry in Campbellville? Well, I could, I could list a dozen of them, and you probably have heard every one of them. Um, but uh, this, this was a gravel pit. It started up in 1965. Went dormant in 1999. Some, you know, around 2016, someone else bought it. Um, it was in the process of the region and the towns trying to resolve its zoning. Someone bought it, went in uh, and got and got a was looking for their aggregate license to be approved. But they want to turn it from a, a pit. Which the difference between a gravel pit and a, and a and a quarry is that gravel pit, you're not blasting. You're ju- you're just digging with a backhoe. Um, which was what they did between 1965 and 1999. Now they want to do blasting. And uh, let me tell you, this quarry is 100 meters from, on the, from the 401 eastbound lane um, if you're heading towards Milton, um, and it's 150 meters from the CPR lane. So that's one opposition. The other opposition is the blasting, the noise, the disruption to the community. And there isn't just one or two houses that are going to be impacted that you find in some situations, there's over 300 homes in 3,000 meters uh, of this place. So we're challenging it and saying this is not the right place for something like this. And besides, uh, we have the largest aggregate 
uh, operation in the country, one of the largest ones in the country, which is Duffer and Aggregate. And they have another operation in Acton, which they shut down because there's no demand. So we're, this is all about competition and profit. It really isn't about lack of demand. So we're saying we're calling this one out and saying it shouldn't be opening up at all. I'm curious because one of the things we hear even at the outset in opposition to gravel pits, for example, is that the remediation never really meets the standard after a pit is closed down. And if this one has not been in operation since 1999, was there no remediation in the meantime? Well, yes, there has. And actually, this thing, this property has rehabilitated itself. And so lots of people are going, there's, it's, a, it's a swimming hole now, and there's a whole bunch of people go in there during the summer to go swimming. And, you know, so our argument is, look, you, you know what the demand for this really is, is for people to have a place to go swimming, people who don't have swimming pools and take to recreation. Why don't you just turn it into that and forget about all of this? So, you know, and now you're about to gut it all again. And you and destroy everything that's in the area from the natural plants and uh, the creatures that are living in it, including the impact that it has on residents all around you. Um, and since then, you know, since 1999, two subdivisions have been built along the road that they're calling their hall route. Um, and these, you know, these are multi-million dollar homes. So, you know, we're all shaking our heads. How can the province allow this to happen? Particularly, and, and as you know. Uh, the attorney general's report came out, you know, just really slamming the whole aggregate industry and the, the processes and how the, everything is managed. So we're, we're just saying, look, we're right about this. We know we are. The premier came out in July of 2020 saying we want to stop this one way or the other. But we're being forced through an environmental assessment where our, our challenge is, look, premier, you promised you're going to stop it. Why bother with residents having to raise money, after tax dollars especially, um, to do this? And, you know, I'm I'm a capitalist. I believe in capitalism. I've run companies. And uh, I just don't see the need for this at all. How have you been able to organize your opposition efforts here? Who are you talking to and are you running into any obstacles? Um, You know, we we had our first meeting was about five and a half years ago. Um, The mayor and the councillors all came out. uh, uh, The all all town council in Milton, you know, was unanimous in opposition to this. Um, and so we've got we've got support that way, uh, but because this falls under the Aggregate Act, the council itself and the region really have their hands tied. All they can do is comment and say it's not necessary. So we have support that way, but they're they're not leading the fight. They can't interfere. So it's challenged that way. But we had MPP Parm Gill come out and say, "I'll you know I'll do an environmental assessment," and he did. But as you know, he's resigned. So there really isn't anyone there to fight, take on the fight for the community, but now it's left up. The most senior politician would be Gordon Mayor Krantz. Um, and being a strong mayor, he has the voice, he has the ear of the premier, and he can call him out and just say, hey, listen, it's time to keep your promise. Let's put residents through this. As a capitalist, George, I'm sure you understand the need to build, and we've got a tremendous need for that in the province right now, from roads to houses, hospitals, apartment buildings, etc., which, of course, we would need aggregate for. How do you balance that with your opposition to the reopening of this pit? I'll tell you what. I uh, flew from Cincinnati to Toronto almost every week during my course of my life, in one company that I work for. You could fly, when you fly over Ontario... You can see all the gravel pits that have not been rehabilitated. There is a ton, no pun intended here, a ton of gravel available. There is no shortage of supply. 
So this is about competition. This is not about not being able to meet the demands of housing or hospitals or roads or schools. That is just untrue. So where do you go from here with Parm Gill out of the picture? Uh, where do your advocacy efforts lead now? Well, we now go back to the mayor and to the premier. Um, you know, they, they're the ones that uh, back then who said, hey, we're going to stop this one way or the other, and uh, we're going to hold them to their word. And you know, let's remember, you know, politicians are elected. They're not hired employees. And their, their duty of care or their duty is to the people who voted for, for them and put them in office. So uh, there's more of them than there are businesses out there. And you have a duty to those residents, voters, who are expecting you to, to lead. George, I appreciate your advocacy on this. I know it's not easy kind of being the the little guy in fights against big business, but uh, kudos to you for that, and and thanks for joining the show today. Thank you for the time. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. George Minakakis is the chair of Action Milton. Action being an acronym for Association of Citizens Together in our Nasagawea. And they are opposed to the reopening of a quarry in Campbellville, which is right near Guelph Line and the 401. If you're heading east from our region before you get to Milton, within 100 meters of those eastbound lanes of the 401, this quarry, a former pit, will be reopening. George puts his case pretty cleanly. It's all about competition. It's all about profit. And I think we understand that with the number of pits that we have pushed back against here in our community. What I keep coming back to, though, and I don't mean to sound defeatist in any way, but I just don't know how we square this circle with the need for aggregate to build all of the things that we need. How do we avoid opening more and more pits? Some of the research that has been shared suggests, and I'm very sympathetic to this, that we haven't even extracted 30% of the available aggregate from existing pits. So why on earth would you open more before you've extracted fully what's available in the previous? Well, because you're thinking ahead, right? And it's going to be less expensive to get the job done now than it will be down the road. But at some point, do you think we might want to consider a bit of a pause here? Let's extract what's available before we continue to open another one and another one and another one. I don't know. I'm not in the industry. I know several of you are, and maybe you've got a perspective on this. If you're working in the trades, if you're in construction, if you're driving that truck that's hauling that aggregate to the next job, I'm happy to hear from you on this because we definitely have two sides to the conversation. This is the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570 and Rogers TV. We're just saying, look, we're right about this. We know we are. The premier came out in July of 2020 saying we want to stop this one way or the other. But we're being forced through an environmental assessment where our challenge is, look, premier, you promised you're going to stop it. Why bother with residents having to raise money, after-tax dollars especially, to do this? And, you know, I'm a capitalist. I believe in capitalism. I've run companies. And I just don't see the need for this at all. George Minakakis is the chair of Action Milton, a group that is opposed to the reopening of a quarry in Campbellville, near Guelph Line and the 401. If you're eastbound on the 401 from our region to the GTA, 
you will be within about 100 meters, those eastbound lanes, from this quarry that is a former gravel pit that's being reopened. And as I said before the break, I just, I really don't know how we square this circle. It, it seems to me like a moratorium on licenses or permits for new pits would be a reasonable compromise here. It seems that way to me because we have learned that of all that is available to extract, we have really barely scratched the surface. We have 70 or 80% of available aggregate left in the pits that already exist. Why on earth with that much still available would we need to issue a permit for a new one? I have a hard time figuring that out. Even while I acknowledge the need for the aggregate, for the things that we're building, the roads, the hospitals, the apartments, the housing, whatever it happens to be, we need the aggregate. But it it seems to me with so many, and it, it doesn't matter where we are, right? If we're in the region of Waterloo, and I already outlined the opposition to pits in both Wilmot and North Dumfries, or we go a little east of here into the Milton, Halton Hills, Campbellville area, we've got opposition there. Pick your place. You're going to be hearing opposition. Sure, we could argue, oh, it's just nimbyism. But if you do have 70 to 80% of what's left in that pit still to be extracted, why on earth would we open a new one? I don't know. I, I don't have a solid business case for that. So I find these things really curious. 519-570-2545, star 570, and 1-800-570-5715. Speaking of building things, I'm just thinking back on a conversation that we had on the show yesterday about the almost $20 million purchase that our regional government is making of a piece of property on Victoria Street North, right at the corner of Victoria and Duke. It's where the cake box is now. It's where Wonderland Tattoos is now. It's a little strip plaza immediately next to that large encampment at Victoria and Weber. But this particular piece of land that the region has just purchased is kind of the final piece in that new central transit hub corridor. The central transit station is going to be built at King and Victoria. And then from there, the Rumpelfeldt building still stands. You cross Duke Street, you've got this plaza. Then you've got the corner that is currently the encampment. And then directly across Weber Street, you've got the Via Station. If you think about that longer term, what an exciting bit of real estate this is. And what an opportunity it is, I think, for the city of Kitchener and for the region to do something pretty significant. That central station at King and Victoria should, I believe, not only link light rail, which is already there, but go trains via, would we make that the station instead of over at Weber and Victoria? Regardless, they're very close to one another. And then, of course, you've got all of the opportunity on those two big city blocks from King and Victoria to Weber and Victoria, all of this opportunity for transit-related development. Buildings, I suspect, rather tall that will house people that will be able to essentially walk out their front door and onto a train of some kind. Maybe you're doing some 
intercity commuting. Maybe you're just hopping on light rail to get to somewhere else in this community. But boy, oh boy, what an opportunity it is. And when I think back on the old Kitchener that I grew <laughs> grew up in, holy Hannah, even just thinking in my mind's eye of what could become there, I'm not sure that I'm going to be anywhere close to what actually happens with what I'm thinking about. But I, I, I think you too can imagine what this stretch of real estate means and and what Victoria Street will look like 20, 30 years from now. And boy, oh boy, it ain't no little city no more, is it? This is the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570 and Rogers TV. Well, as you probably know by now, earlier this week... I ate something, and I'm not entirely thrilled with myself for the decision. I know better, but I did it in the interests of science. And it just got me thinking. I mean, we've all been there, haven't we? Maybe it was an entire pizza or an entire bucket of KFC. But there was something that we ate. Maybe even going into it thinking, this might not be our best idea. But we did it anyway, and then we regretted it after the fact. I cannot possibly be the only one, right? We'll ask that question as we get into the flip side next every Thursday morning, 1130. We have a little bit of fun with the flip side. You ate what? Do tell. This is the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570 and Rogers TV. Let's quickly start with the good. And by good, I mean the very good. Our friend David Connolly, who joined us earlier. David is the artistic director with the Drayton Entertainment Youth Academy. They are preparing for Curtains Up on Footloose, the high school project. Uh, It opens next Wednesday at the St. Jacob's Country Playhouse. Uh, Get your tickets at Drayton Entertainment. When David was in studio earlier this morning, he brought with him scones. And not just any scones, but scones from our friends at Cobb's Bread right here on the boardwalk. Oh my goodness gracious, can I tell you a little bit more about the scones? So good, so generous of David, and so delicious. Good job by you, Cobb's. Uh, Devin Robertson is our guy on the other side of the glass, and I made sure that before putting the scones in the kitchen for others to enjoy, Devin and I got first dibs. It's our show. We should get first dibs. How did you enjoy your scone, young man? It was fantastic. Usually when something like this arrives at the station, I will send out an email so people know, hey, it's food, here's where it came from, please enjoy. I didn't even bother doing that this time because I knew that no sooner would I set down the box of scones that nobody's going to question where or why. They're just going to eat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Definitely worth it. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I said we're going to start with the good. Dev, as you know, earlier this week, during the great ice cream sandwich experiment, I ended up eating the ice cream sandwich at the end of the show. Yep. So Devin can verify this information. 
There is a video on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Mike Farwell show that also verifies the consumption of the ice cream sandwich that had been sitting in front of me at room temperature and not really melting, not melting into a puddle. It lost some of its shape. It got very, I don't know what to describe the consistency as, soft, but nonetheless. And then I ate it after sitting out for seven hours. I may have had a little bit of tummy rumblings later in the day, and I thought back and realized, I mean, I'm old enough to know better, but I but I did it anyway, and too late to take it back at that point. So maybe, just maybe, a little bit of regret in what I ate. So I thought that would be a fun question for the flip side today. What was it that you ate and then later regretted? Devin, anything? I mean, you strike me as a far more intelligent person than I am. So has this ever happened to you? If I strike you as intelligent, it's only because of my profound stupidity (laughs) in all my life that led me to this moment. I love it. Uh, I can remember one evening getting some snacks, some treats while hanging out with some of the guys. And I walked into the convenience store and I said, I want to get the stupidest meal I can get here. At a convenience store? Just at a convenience (sighs) store, just for snacks. Yeah. It wasn't the stupidest meal I could get, I think, on paper, but I got poutine-flavored chips and pineapple-flavored soda. Come on. I think I was like 19. Okay. That's my only defense. <laughs> it, it doesn't excuse it, but it, it's my only defense. And uh, that was an awful, awful decision on multiple levels. First off, didn't taste that good. Sure. I, I can't believe the synthetic carbonated pineapple wasn't a good choice. I know. <laughs> uh, but it, it was a bad time. It passed through even worse. Oh, dear. Yeah. Oh, it was dear. Uh, deep regret. I'm still made fun of for that moment. People will still ask me. My friends will be like, oh, is that like a poutine chip scenario? Is that what you're dealing with right now? And I unfortunately have to just relive that moment. So it's stuck with you all these years later. Yeah, Yeah. it's an unfortunate legacy to have. You know, usually as teenagers, we can get away with stuff like that, right? The teenage body is a remarkable thing. Yeah. Right? Eat poutine-flavored chips and pineapple-flavored soda, and you're fine. Yeah, you just... You can walk it off. <laughs> you walk it off. But, uh, no. Well, I can tell you that my 52-year-old self also had a melted ice cream sandwich moment or two on uh, Tuesday night when I conducted the experiment. And, you know, thinking about what you said about a convenience store meal. Look, I've got nothing against our convenience stores. I love you. I hope you keep doing gangbuster business. But anybody that goes into a convenience store and buys one of those hot dogs off the rotisserie that just keeps, uh, like, you're you're taking chances here, aren't you? That's bold. It's very bold. Very bold. I can't, I can't endorse that. I was on a motorcycle trip one year with a bunch of guys, and one of the guys during one of our stops in the afternoon decided that's what he wanted to eat. I'm like, what are you even <laughs> thinking? Like, you don't want that in your guts as we continue riding for the next four hours today. No, that's a very short-term plant absolutely and he too old enough to know better i'm the same way with that fake nacho cheese sauce stuff that again you can you can buy these nachos at a gas bar convenience store i would not recommend that i won't (laughs) even drink the coffee quite frankly no matter how desperate i am i would get a can of pepsi before i drank that whatever swill is that comes out of the the jug or the urn at a convenience store no offense convenience stores yeah it's just 
you get I, I here's what I'll say. You get what you pay for. And sometimes the convenience store is very appropriately priced. And appropriately named. It's convenient. Exactly. Tell us that thing you ate and then regretted having eaten. 519-570-2545. Star 570 and 1-800-570-5715. I posed this question on our Facebook page too, along with a photo of the cover of a book I loved as a kid. How to Eat Fried Worms. Do you remember that book? They turned it into a movie too, but as a kid, I read that book over and over and over again. The kid that made the bet that he could eat worms, so many worms over consecutive days. And Nathan shared a rather interesting story. For a popular YouTube show, I once ate sheep brains. The eating part was not fun, but the aftermath was way worse. Put it this way. The concierge of the hotel thought there was a gas leak in the building. I don't know if that constitutes too much information, but it feels like it does. Uh, Nathan's comment finishes with, Ever since, I always tell people that brain farts smell really bad. I'm just going to leave the joke and the subsequent rim shot to Nathan on that one. What have you eaten and then regretted having eaten? You know what happened to you. Tell us your story. On the flip side, this is the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570 and Rogers TV. For Devin Robertson, our guy on the other side of the glass, it was poutine-flavored potato chips and some pineapple-flavored carbonated beverage. No offense, Dev. That was dumb, dude. Like, honestly, 19 or not, what were you doing? Like I said, I'm I'm pretty dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, and I'm one to talk because I ate the seven-hour-old room-temperature ice cream sandwich. On Tuesday, So we have admitted to our eating shame. We paid the price then and we're reliving it now. What about you? What did you eat and then regret? 519-570-2545, star 570, and 1-800-570-5715. Grant, good morning. Yeah, good morning. Um, a number of years ago when I went to the c I went to this uh, food booth and I don't like spicy stuff, so I Uh-oh. I make sure that, is it mild? Yeah, it's mild. Are you sure? Then the next day, boom. Boom. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I want to know too much more detail than that. I think we get it. And, and, I, and I continue on doing this up with milk, too. I, I can drink. I'll keep milk out for... Almost all day, I I left out all this almond milk. Yeah, I drank it. I'm I'm still fine. <laughs> He's still, and I lived to tell about it. Here's the thing: I'm like Grant. I can't do spicy, but I know so much about spicy. Like when somebody says mild, I'm like, yeah, but how mild? Like what's mild really? Because that was my computer. It wants to make software changes. I'm sorry. I can't control the computer. The, con- the computer thinks it's running the station. The computers do run the station. With the exception of me and Dev, it's all computers. Anyway, my apologies for that noise. But if it's spicy at all, I'm like, yeah, but but how mild is mild? Like, is it is it like wimpy mild? Is it far well mild? 
I tend to just stay away from it. I thought when Grant was talking about being at the CNE, it was going to be a deep-fried Mars bar or something like that. Those, And you know me and my sweet tooth. I got to say, I had one. I, I don't remember where we were. It was my buddies and I. Anyway, and I, because I've never met a sweet I didn't want to eat, I tried one. A little bit of a letdown. I thought it would be better. I don't know. Anyway, that stuff could give you some gut rot, too. You never know. Lorraine, good morning. Hi there. Um, one New Year's, I was at a house party. We were at, at, there at a house party, and we ate um, Danish meatballs and drank Harvey Wallbaggers, which is vodka. <laughs> and, uh, now, hang on a second, uh, yeah. Lorraine. Danish meatballs, you got something against the Swedes or what? No, not, but I guess too many Harvey Wallbaggers. And I know too many of those because I said, my, these Harvey Wallbaggers are really good. <laughs> Harvey Wallbangers became Harvey Ballwangers. Right. No, no, that was, I was sick too. <laughs> well, this I'm not surprised. But no, wait, Lorraine, we're talking about the things you ate, not the time you got drunk on Harvey Ballwangers. <laughs> <laughs> Spicy. I, I too don't don't handle spicy very well. <laughs> Are Danish meatballs spicy? Is that why? Like, what's the difference between a Danish meatball and a Swedish meatball? I don't know. If it was whatever was in it didn't, didn't agree with me. I'm not sure. Okay. Really Are you sh- Are you sure it wasn't just the Harvey Ballwangers? Well, it could have been. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lorraine. Thanks for the call. Good to hear from you. Listen, if we got into those stories about the time we consumed a little bit too much alcohol and we didn't feel so well. I will tell you this, and I will tell you... Okay, you know what? I'm going to tell you two parts of the story. So I was young, and so I'm going to blame this on the foolishness of youth, okay? But got so incredibly intoxicated and felt so poor. It was a Friday night. Felt so bad for the rest of the weekend that I swore, I swore off alcohol. And I, honest to goodness gracious, I quit drinking cold turkey for more than a decade. I did. And to this day, to this day, you will not find me drinking a rye whiskey. I will not do it. I love my scotch, but no rye. The other part of that story, so intoxicated, living in an apartment downtown. My buddies get me home. I refuse to go into the apartment. Once I get out of that car, I'm like, there's no way I'm going inside. I am causing some kind of ruckus. And it's enough of a ruckus at the time of day after you've been out all night getting very intoxicated that attracts the attention of neighbors, time of day, level of volume. Next thing you know, one of Waterloo Region's finest rolls up. And he made it very clear to my buddy that either you get him into that apartment or I'm getting him into this cruiser. (laughs) I do not have a criminal record. I do not have a misdemeanor. My buddy, oh God, I love this guy to this day. He literally picked me up off the ground because I was lying on the ground just, I'm not going inside, you can't make me. He scooped me up like a child because I was acting like one in his big strong arms and he carried me to safety away from the police cruiser (laughs) and off the streets. God knows what time of the morning. Schnurzy, I still owe you one for that. Uh, This is the Mike Farwell Show. It's the flip side. What did you eat and then regret? Clearly, Lorraine and I once regretted our alcohol intake. But we're talking about those things you ate. The entire pizza, 
the whole bucket of KFC? What did you once eat and then regret having eaten? It's the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570 and Rogers TV. Devin Robertson, our guy on the other side of the glass, he's into the haute cuisine. And by that, I mean poutine-flavored potato chips and pineapple-flavored carbonated beverages. Me, I just eat ice cream sandwiches that maintain most of their shape. They certainly don't turn into puddles. After sitting room temperature for seven hours, I ate one the other day. Both of us lived to regret our choices a little bit. What about you? What did you eat and then regret having eaten. That's the question we're asking you on the flip side this morning. Back to the phones. George, good morning. Hey, Mike. It was a few years ago. Lunchtime was coming. I just wanted to go get some deli at a local quick stop and make myself a sandwich. Hey, there was some 50% off or whatever it was they're trying to get rid of. I noticed it was starting to turn color a little bit. I thought, you know what? I've got an, an iron stomach. I can do it. If it. Maybe it's gone a little bit bad, but... I'm going to eat it. Mike, I'm not going to tell tell you anymore. That was a terrible, terrible decision. I didn't even enjoy the sandwich. I had a bit of an off taste of deli meat. What a horrible uh, situation I went through. You know, I wonder if you had not noticed the discoloration, how it would have tasted. Because that must have been in the back of your mind the entire time. Because you're thinking, right, as you're eating it, hey, has this really gone bad? <laughs> off taste to it. But I thought, you know, I'm hungry. I've got an iron stomach. I can take this, and I won't stay anymore, like I said. George, great story. Thanks for sharing. Uh, we sound similar. It must be another guy thing, right? Oh, yeah, I got, I got an iron gut. Uh, how about this story from Mike shared on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Mike Farwell Show. Back when the earth was still cooling... Mike writes, I lived in a shared student townhouse in Sunnydale for a term. UW co-op students were constantly moving back and forth, often leaving stuff behind. I think there were a dozen toasters in the basement, multiple frying pans and that sort of thing. When a friend came to visit one weekend, we had the young men's Saturday evening munchies uh huh, and started foraging. Finding a package of KFC coating mix, we went to the local Zares or whatever was closest and bought some chicken parts then began coating our protein and threw it in the oven. My friend only ate one bite of the cooked poultry, then stopped and frowned. Ravenous as I was, I finished one or two pieces before he got back with the package and started reading the label. Soon after, I was face over the porcelain telephone in the nearest washroom. Turns out the coating was close to pure MSG and was supposed to be diluted with flour, something like 20 to 1, or maybe even more. My friend thought the whole thing was hilarious. Me, not so much. You see, guys, we should read the instructions, too. That's another good idea. Great story, Mike. Thanks for sharing it with us this morning. All right, we're fast approaching the noon hour, at which time we'll get you an update from the City News Center. Our friends at Rogers TV Cable 20 done for another day. So thank you, Robert, and the entire team for producing two hours of excellent television. I hope the content was okay. Really appreciate their work to produce the TV side of this show. The 12 o'clock talkback hour is coming up. We open the phone lines to hear from you on the Mike Farwell Show. Stay with us on City News 570 and so long, Rogers TV.
Take out the papers and the trash. Just finish cleaning up your room. Let's see that dust fly with that broom. Get all that garbage outside. Or you don't go out Friday night. Don't talk back. Phone lines open to you to begin a conversation. 519 570 2545. Star 570. And 1-800-570-5715. I talked about this briefly earlier, but will again, because the words I just heard from Paul McPhee in the City News Center were rather jarring. I mentioned earlier today how much I feel the weight of news that almost 5,000 jobs were being cut across Bell Media including some journalists, 45 radio stations under the Bell Media banner being sold. This is just bad news for our industry. And I care so much about this industry. I wish I didn't because it can hurt you. It can beat you around a little bit. I've had my share of ups and downs, but mostly ups. I love it. I really do. And I care about it deeply. I care about my colleagues who work in it, whether it's at a competing radio station, a TV station, a newspaper, we're all doing the same job here, trying to provide you information, in some cases information plus entertainment, etc. And I just I just worry. I really do. And I'm not going to be doom and gloom here for you. It's a beautiful, sunny Thursday afternoon. But ding, dang it, does it sting. And then Paul's words during the noon news update Chief Legal and Regulatory Officer with Bell, Robert Malcolmson, says the significant radio cuts come because radio is not a viable business anymore? Is it possible? Is it possible? I'm just going to throw this out there for consideration. Is it possible that the kind of radio that Robert Malcolmson was making or trying to make was not viable? Is that possible at all? Anyway, I might end up working for Robert Malcolmson someday. Who knows what happens next? I just, that's a jarring statement, and I will just use this as an opportunity to thank you again for taking time out of your day to listen to this show. I hope we entertain you a little bit. I hope we inform you a lot. I hope we are a companion through your day. That's, I think, what radio still to this day does best. And by to this day, I mean we've been doing it for decades. Dare I say a century now. And I intend certainly on continuing to do this for as long as possible. And if they drag me out of here saying, you know what, Farwell, this isn't a viable business anymore, at least I will be dragged out of here having done the work and conducted myself in the business in a way that I believe to be viable. Anyway, it's thanks to you So I really appreciate you being here. I really appreciate you being a part of our show. Whether you're a passive listener or you're a regular caller, whatever the case may be, thank you very much for keeping radio viable right here in the region of Waterloo. And of all the stations being sold across the country, none of them are here in our community. So there's that as well.
I just finished also during that update with Paul, uh, one of my other sets. I've got to do four sets of push-ups today for the Push-Up for Mental Health Challenge in support of our friends at the Canadian Mental Health Association, Waterloo-Wellington. We are now at 76 push-ups we have to do today. The number of push-ups continues to grow day over day. It's really well scheduled. I'd like to know who thought all of this up because it's pretty impressive stuff. Anyway, I posted, I have posted a couple of videos over the week and a bit we've been doing this so far. And I knew it was coming. And it finally came this morning from my buddy Phil, who's the co-owner of Personal Edge Training in downtown Kitchener. And he said, are you doing twice as many push-ups as the other members of your team? Our team is called On Air Flair because there's a bunch of us here at City News and one of our colleagues at Country 106.7 on the team doing the 2,000 push-ups this month. And he said, are you doing, Phil asked me, are you doing twice as many push-ups as everybody else? Because you're basically doing half a push-up. Your form is terrible. (laughs) I'm like, Phil, come on. He says, you're only cheating yourself, Farwell. You're only cheating yourself. So I have been doing the slowest and most most methodical push-ups I can possibly do today. And as usual, Phil, the co-owner of Personal Edge Training, is absolutely right. They're a lot more exhausting, so I think I'm getting more out of them. But I am managing. I've got three sets of 20 in so far, which means one more set of 16, and I have reached my total for the day. You can see my bad form. I've posted it without shame on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Mike Farwell Show. One of the other themes that has kind of been running through the show today is taxes. And and I want to be really clear about this when it comes to taxes. I, I get it. We never like them. Of course not. Why would we like to essentially pay something without thinking we get a whole lot in return? I truly do believe that taxes are important collections of our money into a community pot or a community fund for the betterment of that community. They really are investments in our community today and moving forward. I mean that sincerely. I believe that sincerely. But the recurring theme through the show today is around the increases we are facing at the municipal level, including the 5.8% that Cambridge is deliberating today. And they had a public meeting earlier this week where... Some residents pushed back. And the big number, of course, as you know, the three-year proposal in Waterloo that doesn't have anything under a six by way of increases. And that's into the future, too, where we expect inflation to come down. And Waterloo is projecting six and seven percent increases in the years ahead. So over the next three years, a 23 percent increase in Waterloo. And I've been really vocal and, and passionate about this because I really think it's misguided. And and frankly, I don't think the conversation should even be in the public realm. I I think council really needs to put up some guardrails so that when the people creating the budget come back with their figures, they are keeping those figures at or very near to inflation. If you don't put that guardrail in place, you end up with something like, oh, how about a 23% increase? over the next three years. And I don't know about you, but my income is not going to increase by 23% over the next three years. Although if somebody would like to make it, like I'm here for you, 
if my manager is listening and would like to offer 23% over the next three years, I'm all ears. But I, I strongly urged earlier today and will again the city of Waterloo because I know final budget day is coming up on Monday, the 12th of February. Council has stated that they intend on working to bring that number down. I humbly yet passionately suggest to you, Waterloo, bring it down by half. Because even at half of 23% or 11 and a half, you're, you're running barely at inflation over the next three years if you take the inflationary rate today. Which brings me around to the mayor of Guelph who stated today he intends to use his strong mayor powers to limit the tax hike and create a tiny home community for the unhoused in Guelph. Mayor Cam Guthrie says he plans on invoking his strong mayor powers to cap next year's tax increase at under 4%. Hello, inflation. And create a temporary tiny home encampment. If the mayor of Guelph can do it, the mayor of Waterloo can do it, the mayor of Kitchener can do it, the mayor of Cambridge can do it, etc. I don't see anything wrong with targeting those property tax increases to inflation. But maybe that's just me. I'm only a guy on the radio, which apparently isn't a viable business anymore. This is the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570. The 12 o'clock talk back hour is your chance to talk back. Pretend I'm your parent and you can take full advantage of me saying, by all means, talk back. 519-570-2545. Star 570-1-800-570-5715. Kyle, good afternoon. Hello, Dad. How are you? <laughs> I'm great, son. How are you? Oh, just fantastic. Hey, um, great game, first of all, by the Leafs last night. Fantastic. If you don't want me to call in for the next two weeks because of what I said yesterday, I'll be in the penalty box. I totally understand. I'll put myself in there for for it. I and honestly, I, I let it game. slip. I was so excited for you and your girlfriend to be going to the game that I completely slipped, let it slip that you said the, the team that shall not be named. So... At the end of the day, it's two NHL hockey teams that we're seeing in, in, in the course of two weeks. So there's nothing to complain about at the end of the day, right? That's so, true. And I get to see Ovechkin play in a couple of weeks. So that's, that's something that's special to me. But I'm going to go back to the uh, meal that I regretted having, and it was called the Land, Air, and Sea Burger at McDonald's. Now, you can't get it on the menu, but what it is is it's a filet fish with a hamburger with a McChicken. No. All and it's on a Big Mac bun. No. They, they replaced the middle patty with that. No. And I hate the whole thing. No. And I didn't make it from McDonald's to my house, so that just tells you just how bad it was. Why, Kyle? Why would you do such a thing? Why? Because as you and I know that money speaks louder than food, and I made two hundred and fifty dollars off eating that. All right. <laughs> you know what? Good call. Good call. All right. Okay. Thanks, man. All right. Have a good one. <laughs> Thanks, Bye. Kyle. The land sea. And Air Burger. I knew it had something to do with a hamburger patty and a filet of fish. I didn't think the McChicken for the Air, but I get you. Kyle's a better man than I am, 250 bucks. A long time ago, during one of my Farwell for Hire stunts, I stayed on the air at our country radio station, Country 106.7, 
for, I can't remember, I think it was 73 hours. It was 7 o'clock Friday night until 10 o'clock Monday morning. Stayed on all weekend, all day, all night, you name it. And at one point in texting with a buddy, shot off my mouth about being able to easily, easily eat, I think it was 100. I can't remember the number of McNuggets I said I would be able to eat. I might have even been so bold as to say 200. I really can't remember, but it was an astronomical number that in my mind I thought would be plenty easy to eat. So he showed up with, I think, 60, maybe 80, and promised a donation of $200 if I could eat them. I didn't even make it to 40. Like, they just, in my mind's eye, they're like, they're just itty-bitty pieces of chicken, right? Yeah, no. Anyway, I, I failed miserably, but being the good guy that he is, he still made the donation. Tim, I love you for that. But why did you let me do that? I question our friendship. It's not me, it's you. Uh, Jeffrey, it's the 12 o'clock talkback. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Mike. Um, you were just mentioning quickly before break there, before the news update about uh, Cam Guthrie, about what he was talking about in Guelph. Yes. Tiny home project. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, I, I'm looking, uh, I'm up in Wellington County. So I just got the Wellington Advertiser delivered to um, lunchtime here. So I'm looking at the Wellington Advertiser. They cover that surrounding area. Sure. Uh, poor fellow there, real quick. Uh, encampment in Wellington County Courtyard is a civil protest to advocate for homeless community. So they got tiny homes being built, but they're also issuing guys like that tickets to leave as he's trying to get a little bit of woke uh, knowledge on the subject. They're issuing tickets for someone like that in a tent that's trying to get stuff like that going, they want him gone. But it's okay for, for Guthrie to go to the Delta Conference Center amidst 280 people and talk about stuff like that. Godless. Last thing I got to say here quickly is I find it incredibly amazing in society today, incredibly amazing, that you could have such an opinion that developed on somebody that you really haven't even had a cup of coffee with. And uh, I've experienced it daily, especially the last little bit, but... Uh, it's amazing how many opinions can be formed on somebody. And really, it's just a matter of what they've posted on Facebook or maybe what they've said about something. Just amazing what society is sometimes. Thanks for taking my call. All right, Jeffrey. Thanks for the call. I, I do struggle today. I find Jeffrey's kind of onto something there where if somebody boldly shares an opinion on social media, it changes your perception of them or your opinion of them we can feel differently about issues, right? And I think something else I kind of heard in what Jeffrey was saying is that if you take a moment to have a coffee with your neighbor, even if that neighbor happens to be living in a tent on the corner of Weber and Victoria, you might learn an awful lot about that person. When these issues were first coming to a head in this community, and we had that really large encampment at Weber and Victoria, there was another story of a woman who I went to meet in Cambridge who had been living in a tent with her husband and their dog for almost 20 years. I, I was blown away by the story. And I credit, by the way, my friends at the Waterloo Region Record for writing the story that directed me to meet this new friend. And I went out and I met them. I, I talked to folks at Weber and Victoria. And Jeffrey's right. You'd be amazed. They just live in a tent instead of a house or a tiny home have a coffee with them and find out that there might just be some commonalities. One of the fellas I talked to at Weber and Victoria went to Conestoga College. So did I a long time ago. This is the Mike Farwell Show. It's your 12 o'clock talk back on City News 570.
Every day from noon until one, we open the phone lines for the 12 o'clock talkback hour. Give you the chance to have your say on the issues of the day. We've got some pretty significant changes to the Canadian media landscape today. We've got the federal government looking at auto thefts and ways to combat what is a growing problem in this country. Insurers say that in 2022, they paid out more than $1.2 billion in claims for stolen vehicles in Canada. And then much closer to home, we've got municipal councils deliberating their budgets with proposed tax increases that not all residents are exactly comfortable with. My friend Shockey, who's listening today from Florida, says in this age of post-pandemic faltering economies and high inflation, Waterloo residents deserve a better treatment than what's being proposed to the mayor and council. I hope they will reconsider and then retract their position. That position currently at 23% over three years in Waterloo. Some of the big stories of the day as we continue with the 12 o'clock talkback hour. This is City News 570. It is called the 12 o'clock talk back hour, where you get the chance to do just that. Talk back. Share with us your thoughts on the stories of the day or anything else that happens to be on your mind. 519-570-2545, star 570, and 1-800-570-5715. Back to the phones. Mark, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Mike. Uh, Mike, you shared an email uh, with the public. Uh, or I, I think it was earlier this week about somebody uh, who didn't like regular callers. <laughs> oh yes, yes, I did. Okay, I, I just want to say something about that, Mike. Sure. Um, you know, some people don't have a lot of friends, and they just want someone to talk to, and they feel better then, and also they like you, Mike. <laughs> no, so let's not get carried away, Mark. Let's no, not. No, no. Well, that's why they call in. Absolutely, one hundred percent. So I just want to throw that out there, Mike. Appreciate it, buddy. Okay. Thanks, pal. Uh, My mother likes me and my beloved likes me because they are contractually obligated to like me. I think my dog likes me because I feed her and walk her. You see how this works? But to Mark's point, uh, listen, I I shared the email with intent, obviously. It was was, I was going to say constructive criticism. It was not constructive at all. It was just flat-out criticism about not really liking elements of the show, including the repetitive nature of organizations that are on looking for money, which I would look at from the macro level if it was me. I think that's telling us something about where we're at and the number of organizations in our community that do so much work with so little in the way of resources. And I think we ought to stop and think about that from time to time. That's the message I get from those recurring conversations. But I am here 
to amplify the great work being done by so many of those organizations. I'll take my last breath with that commitment. Among other things, this particular, I guess, former listener didn't care for was the regular callers, which I said then and will again. I love our regular callers. You're like characters on the show, and I appreciate you very much. If you like me, like Mark seems to indicate, even better, then we can just be friends on the show too. But regular callers are absolutely a part of things. But this particular listener, John was his name, uh, thought it was a little too repetitive, so he was going to go back, and this was my favorite part of the email, to listening to classic rock on FM radio. To which I joked, and I love classic rock. It is my comfort food slash comfort music too. But if there's one radio format that's awfully repetitive, it's classic rock. There are only only so many songs in that universe, friend. But hey, if that's what fills your boots, if that's what fills your bucket, then you go right ahead and fill it. The point I tried to make in reading that email earlier and suggesting, if you don't like what you hear on a radio station like this, you literally have the power to change it. All you have to do is be one of the callers. And all of a sudden, you've changed the content to something that you like. It's kind of like playing uh, Crazy Eights and you change the suit, right? You, you don't like what you're hearing? Call and say something that you want to hear. It's a beautiful thing. And that's especially what we do during the 12 o'clock talkback hour. Linda, good afternoon. Hi, Mike. It's Linda. I'm calling about... Uh that we regret eating. Hello? Linda, I'm having a heck of a time. You sound like you're in a wind tunnel. I'm sorry, I'm driving on the highway. That's okay. Is your window down? <laughs> no, I have an old car. Okay, so... Can you hear me now? I'm sorry, Linda. I can barely hear you with the headphones on. I'm not sure anybody else is going to be able to hear you. Okay, well... You try it out, and I'm going to relay. You wanted to say something about what? About things we regret eating. Things you regret eating. Okay, what do you regret eating? I regret almost everything I ate in the first 50 years of my life. (laughs) Wait a minute. In the first 50 years of your life? So did you turn vegan after 50? No, I was vegan for a while, a couple of years, and vegetarian, but I'm now now an omnivore again, but I finally am healthy, and I'm 68 years old now. 58 or 68? 68. 68. Good. Bless your heart, Linda. And I, you know, some things that you eat might affect you immediately, because, you know, but... Actually, not most things you put in your body don't aren't like gunshots. They don't immediately kill you, <laughs> but they kill you slowly. I, Linda, I get it, and I, I'm going to leave the wind tunnel right there. Not everything you eat is like a gunshot. It doesn't kill you immediately. It kills you slowly, is Linda's advice, and she regrets virtually everything she ate for the first 50 years of her life. I, I get that. I try really hard. I still struggle because, oh my gosh, do I like sugar. But generally speaking, I try to make better <laughs> choices. Linda, I love you for that. And I love you for your old car and your wind tunnel phone. Uh, Christina, good afternoon. Hey, Mike. I just wanted to say I'm, I'm a newer listener to you. And I found that some of these emails that have come through that the negative Nellies, because you were talking about how when you went through the drive-through, how expensive stuff is. Oh yeah. 
And some guy you said emailed and said to stop talking about it. <laughs> yeah. You know what? He said nobody cares, Mike. Yeah, you know what? I care because I want to know that I'm not in the boat alone. <laughs> that the same thing that other people, you know, somebody posted online about um, how expensive those Cadbury cream eggs have become at Chopper's Drug Mart. Right. They're like $2 and I think 30 cents. Didn't they, they used to be like 50 cents, Mike. And I'm not even that old. <laughs> like, come on. So, you know what? And if that's the case to that guy, nobody cares, then stop talking about everything that's going on. Because this is what it is. That's a very good point. And that's and what... It is yeah, you're right. Upsetting. I'm glad, I just, I'm glad we're in the boat together, Christina. Yes. <laughs> and I enjoy listening to you. I've gotten to learn stuff about you. You like butter tarts as much as I do. And sugar and treats and chocolate and ice cream. Although your common sense might have been a little off on eating that bar the other day. Oh, it was not a good choice. (laughs) Not a good choice by me, Christina. (laughs) I was going to call in and say, just don't do it, because anything that does not melt quickly is not ice cream. (laughs) It it was suspect. Although the first ingredient did say ice cream. Yeah. 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 (laughs) But I just want to let you know, you've got a fan out there, and I enjoy listening to you. I've I've gotten to get familiar with some of the other callers, too, now, and I I like it. Good. Well, I'm glad. So the other people can go find somebody else to listen to because they don't deserve you, Mike. (laughs) And we're just going to build a bigger boat so there's room for more of us. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Leafs got to keep playing like they did last night. Go Rangers, go, and soon it's going to be Let's Go Blue Jays, Let's Go. Absolutely it will be, and we'll cover that too. There you go. Thanks, Christina. Anytime, Mike. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Nice to hear from, I think, I'm pretty sure we were on first caller basis there, weren't we? Yeah! Yes! Yes! I love me some first-time callers. I talked to Ian Hunter, our resident Blue Jay hunter, just the other day. I said, hey, Hunsey. When are uh, pitchers and catchers reporting? We're going to get him back on the air. Ian Hunter would join us weekly during the Blue Jays season. Yes, those Leafs have got to keep playing like they did last night. And the Kitchener Rangers on the Eastern Swing this weekend. Kingston tomorrow night. Ottawa late Saturday afternoon. It's a 4 o'clock start in Ottawa. And on that note, since Christina jogged my memory... Larry Fedorik in this chair tomorrow because I've got to travel with the hockey team. I can't be on the air here during the day and broadcasting a game from Kingston tomorrow night. So I'll be on the road with the team tomorrow. Larry will be here and we will together in that same boat cheer for the Kitchener Rangers. This is the Mike Farwell Show on City News 570. I swear, if my computer tells me one more time that software changes are required, I'm sorry for the sound you just heard. It's completely my fault and my computer's fault. Computers make me a little cuckoo. Uh, Listen, Howard, if you're still listening, please give us a call back. I'll put you right at the top of the list. I I was stuck in that awful zone here. I'll just pull back the curtain. You got to take your commercial breaks at a certain time. I was already a little late for that last commercial break. I really wanted to talk to Howard because his is not a name I see a lot on my call screen. And I love bringing new voices to the show or voices that aren't always a part of it because that must mean something motivated them to call. And then Howard couldn't hang on through the break. But my friend, if you call back, you're going straight to the top of the list. 519-570-2545, star 570 and 1-800-570-5752.
15. It's the 12 o'clock talk back hour, and we continue with Bob. Hello, Bob. Hey, hey Mike. How are you, sir? I'm all right, thank you. How are you? I'm okay. Good. I'm going to use an alias, so I'll, I'll use a name I haven't used for a long time because I don't want to embarrass somebody I know. Okay. You want to, who do you want to be today? My name's Fritz. Sorry? My name is Fritz. Fritz? Yeah. Okay, Fritz. If, when I was sitting in the gossip room of my apartment building, otherwise <laughs> the laundry room, the other day. <laughs> the gossip room, I like that. And um, a couple of people were sitting there talking as they were doing my wash, right? Yeah. And this one old lady, I should call her old, she's about the same age as I am. She was sitting there and she said she's kind of ticked off. She has a nurse come a couple of times a week. And she was told by her nurse that they're thinking about cutting her back. And the nurse said she shouldn't say it, but she says she thinks they're going to cut her back because they're trying to save money because it's happening to a lot of people. Now, when Doug Ford ran, he said he was going to cut waste. And I was just wondering if all the people at the waste he was talking about and the services. Thanks, Mike. Have a good day. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate it. I am worried about the state of our health care system, and I say that cautiously reluctantly i know how many hard-working people are invested in it but we had the story about the 19 hour wait for a young girl in our community awaiting surgery for appendicitis one of our colleagues was at hospital 13 hours of wait time i don't know that this screams a system that's functioning well but i also don't lay it all at the feet of doug ford this has been going on for far too long and the chickens have indeed come home to roost. Tom, good afternoon. Yes, good afternoon, Mike. Uh, I just wanted to report that the, the CTCO news at noon that says uh, on the TV is no longer on. Yeah, those were that's part of those cuts, Tom. The only noon hour newscast across this country that survived is in Toronto. Oh, no more news at noon. How am I going to survive? Well, I, I listen, they do great work, and I understand that's a part of your day. You can certainly tune into this show because we've got news at 12 and at 12.30, and in between, you lucky son of a gun, you can listen to me. Uh, I've been doing that for about five years now. Oh, well, thank you for that. I really appreciate it. This is the third, second time I've phoned in, but this is what I do. I turn on my news at noon, I listen to you. Well, I used to be from 10 until 2. Now it's 9 until 1. You got it. Yeah, I listen to you guys every morning. I appreciate it. And you know what, Tom? You're not that much different than me. When I leave the radio station, I listen to quite a bit of radio through the afternoon. I always check out my evening news on TV. Before I start the show in the morning, I read my newspapers. I try to consume as much as I can. So, yes, that noon hour newscast, unfortunately, here on Channel 12 is no longer. You're a news junkie, too. (laughs) I certainly am, my friend. You betcha. I'm one of those, too. Good. Okay, thank you very much, Mike. Thanks, Tom. I really appreciate the call. And yeah, uh, as Tom said, no CTV news at noon on what we still refer to in these here parts as CKCO-TV, Channel 12. Those cuts that you heard about today that we've been reporting, BCE Inc., and one of its subsidiaries, of course, is Bell Media, 4,800 layoffs, many in the journalism and media department, 45 radio stations sold and among the big cuts that you will definitely notice no more noon news unless you're in toronto at least on 
CTV. Maybe somebody will step in and fill the void. I certainly hope so, because the more information and the more coverage, the better. This is the Mike Farwell Show. It's your 12 o'clock talkback hour, and we continue on City News 570. How's this for an idea? Call me and share your opinion, and I'll tell you if it's a good one or not. Does that sound fair? I kid. I kid. Just give me a shout. Go back to the phones now for Claudio. Good afternoon, Claudio. Hello, Mike. Claudio, I can barely hear you, brother. Sorry, Mike. Can you hear me? Barely. Are you are, are you are you underground? I feel like I'm underground. Anyway, uh, uh, touching base back on your, I guess, inflationary pressure from Waterloo City. Inflation surrounds us. I guess I got a story to, to share. Uh, I'm not so sure it's really inflation. I think, number one, it's a mindset. And number two, there's greed embedded in that. Um, so my wife's snow brush broke. So I thought, okay, I'd pick one up. Picked one up at the big box store. I thought it was quite expensive. It was 17 bucks. $17 for a snow brush? Yeah, yeah. Dang. So at a box store I happened to work at. Um, and I'd forgotten it like four or five days. And I thought, you know what? I just bite the bullet spend uh, a big lot of cash on a snow brush. Happy wife, happy life. So I uh, come home. It's a Friday night. She says, oh, we need groceries. So I popped into the real Canadian superstore, and I literally walked in the gates there, the barricade they've got, and there's snow brushes. The exact same snow brush for seven ninety nine. dollars Instead so of $17, I, yeah. Instead of 17 So I dig into it. Uh, I find out the cost of that brush is $5.21. So store A, the big box, is marking that product up 245%. The Real Canadian Superstore is marking it up 40%. So that's contributing to inflation because I'm certain a multitude of other products fall in that category. I call that the corporate greed. I agree with that part, Claudio, and I'm so sorry I got to cut you there because I'm I'm running out of time and I got to get to Rob Snow with now you know, and look he's going to have a talk back hour too uh, at two o'clock. Maybe you want to participate in that, but I was going to say the same thing that Claudio finished on. Sounds like greedflation to me, and Claudio referred to it as corporate greed. I'm sorry we can't continue further today, but hey, tomorrow is another day. Remember, Larry Fedorik will be here. I will be in Kingston. Paul Fixter and I have Rangers and France tomorrow night. You can join us for pregame coverage starting at 6.35 from the Leon Center in Kingston. Gotta run. Devin Robertson is the guy on the other side of the glass. My name is Mike Farwell. Bye for now.